If you're looking for a new way to support Side Mission, check out W.GG, an energy supplement company trying to make a difference. Make sure to use code SIDEMISSION for 15% off your order. Thank you, Dubby, for sponsoring this episode, and we hope you enjoy. Welcome into the newest episode of Side Mission. I, like always, am your host, Rusty Ellis, joined by the boys, Kyle and Matt. You know, fellas, that's the first time in a few recordings where I've really kind of struggled and almost said just two of the boys. <laughs> and instead of just saying the boys. Anyways, yeah. that aside, uh, today we're talking about Diablo 4, a franchise that none of us have put any hours into prior to a couple weeks ago at this point of recording when the game came out. Um, and I think we were all very, very pleased with what we got ultimately from Diablo 4. First of all, the fact that the game was just ready day one and we didn't have to see another stupid-ass graphic of, you know, we hear all the criticism that we, we've we seen for our game and we know that it's not it's in a state we're not proud of and it's unfinished. Thankfully, we didn't see one of those from this. Thankfully, this game was finished at launch and considering that it was... Uh, Blizzard that released it, that really does say something. I know, right? So, <laughs> considering the state that uh, considering the state that Overwatch 2 launched in, where it was borderline unplayable for a lot of us day one. I think day one of that game, we got like three games in, maybe. Uh, this is a really good game, and I feel like for the price, there's absolutely enough here to justify spending that $70 on it at least, because I think, and I'm going to go ahead and give my just overall thoughts on the game here, I think you both agree. In a normal year that is not 2023, I feel like this is a game that could win game of the year. I, I feel oh. like this is a game, and even this year, I feel like there's a very good chance that Diablo 4 is a game of the year finalist. Um, so, Kyle, I'll start with you. Actually, no, no I'm going to start with Matt, because Matt, you have an interesting history with Diablo, despite the fact that you've never played the game, because for some reason, <laughs> you're an amiibo for Diablo 3. <laughs> Discuss. Uh. Yeah, so back when Diablo 3 first came out on the Switch, which was, uh, this was a while after it had already been released on consoles, um, because of me being a collector, you know, they made an amiibo for it, and I had every intention on getting Diablo 3 on the Switch. You could say and hoarder instead of collector, it's okay. <laughs> hoarder? <laughs> hey, they're cool though, they're cool. <laughs> so, I never did pick up the game, but it has always been something that I wanted to play. I just never, you know, finally took the plunge into the franchise. But it's always been, like, on my mind. It's, it's always been, like, you know, th this is something that I, I, I do, a, a franchise I want to eventually get into. Yeah, and I'm right there with you. I think Diablo 3 was always a game I looked at, even before it came to Switch. Um, I think, because it, it came out, I think, when I was still in college. There's my little uh, annual flex that I got an education on y'all. Um, <laughs> but, but when I was, it came out when I was still in school. So uh, you know, I, I looked at it as something like, you know, if I wanted to spend some money and try a different game, that might be it. And I don't know, like I feel like Diablo three always reviewed really well, and I just never really took the leap and went after it. And then when it came out on Switch, I had that urge again to buy it, and I just never did. Um, Diablo 4, I think, is fantastic, though. And I've heard the same from a lot of people that have played Diablo games. I've got some friends here in Cookville that have played it and have played older games that absolutely love it. You know, obviously, we all talk to Thacker still. He really enjoys it, and he's put a lot of time in on it as well. Um, and there's a lot of really good things there. I feel like this is a good place to jump in at, especially considering the three of us are not big Diablo fans. I feel like this is a great spot to jump in at. 
Kind of like yeah. how Final Fantasy 16 and how it's not really tied to 15 in any way. It's great for you to just jump in here because there's no real game that you need to have played beforehand. Diablo 4 is a lot of the same way. You know, it's not a game that's built on a big story. It's not the MCU. It wasn't built over 10 years. And it's not some branching narrative. And it's really not a special story. But the production level of it really takes it to the next level. And Kyle, we talked a lot about that. The cutscenes are really well done. The character models are really well done. Matt, I know you want to talk about the character creator. And we'll get to that, you know, after we talk about this for a minute. But, Kyle, it feels like the presentation of this game is really next level. Yeah, it definitely is. I think that, especially when it comes to the cutscenes, I was really impressed by the attention to detail in uh, the character models. The way they really brought Lilith to life. I mean, it you know, it gave me chills during that, you know, that intro cutscene when the game first starts. It, it's really awesome to see... Uh, you know, good cinematics like this that make you feel something. Like I was legitimately like, "Oh shit!" You know, this is this is not someone to be fucked with. She is a bad bitch, and you know, I think that in in terms of gameplay, I went into this game not knowing at all how I was gonna feel about it because, like we've said, I've never played a Diablo game before, and. So that was what I think really was going to determine whether or not I like it. And I got to say that it's a lot of fun. It's it's so much fun to get on with just a bunch of friends and go run some missions, you know, date down some bosses. And I, I got to say that as a newcomer, it's, you know, it, it's a lot of fun um, not having to feel like the game only caters to people who have already played it. Uh, it, it feels like at face value, the game can be very overwhelming, but as a newcomer, the tutorial did a really, really good job of introducing me to all the game's mechanics and how it works and everything. So that way over time, as I unlocked, like say new abilities or, you know, as I unlocked new, uh, move sets or, you know, uh, passive buffs, I kind of, you know, was towing the water, you know, slowly got in and by the time everything was fully unlocked, like where I'm at now, I I feel like I already know everything. It's not overwhelming. It's not too much. You know, I, I got to say that, you know, that is something as, again, as a newcomer, I appreciate the most. Yeah, we really, we talked about in the Street Fighter episode about how it's not really like new player friendly. It really is banking on, have you played a previous Street Fighter game? And this one, feel like, again, like you said, does a really good job of catching you up and getting you up to speed gameplay-wise. And it's very, very simple. Obviously, it's a game that's built to play. It's built to play with, you know, a keyboard and mouse set up and with hotkeys enabled and everything. With a controller, though, I didn't feel like we were ever really, like, at a disadvantage or that it was hard to pick up the control scheme. I felt like all of my attacks I pretty much picked up really quickly. And I think that what really makes that system work a lot more is the build variety, especially when you look at the different characters. You know, Kyle, you played as a barbarian. Matt, you played as a sorcerer, I believe. I think I'm right in speaking that. Sorcerer? Yes, that that, that was what was left for me that I actually like, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I thought thought the rogue rogue was pretty cool. I thought you could have played as that and you would have enjoyed that, but maybe not. And then obviously I played as the druid, and the druid is just, just oh freaking P. For some reason, being able to turn into a werewolf or a werebear. Yeah, for real. Uh, that's, that's pretty awesome. I know, Matt, Kyle, we thought that the barbarian was going to be the tank, and then it turns out, nope, it's actually the druid. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually, the healer. 
you're actually the healer despite being called a barbarian. I'm not sure what sense that makes, but hey, we're just going to roll with it. Um, and I loved, again, just the variety of build that you can go with because I pretty much went with essentially a <laughs> lightning and storm casting werewolf. And yeah. that, for some reason, there's nothing about that sentence that makes sense. But it's just really fun and badass. Like being able to just summon a gigantic storm with my ultimate ability using, you know, transforming into a werewolf to build up my spirit and, you know, being able to cast lightning using that. I mean, that's just really cool. Being able to spread rabies to deal with damage over time. Like, that's just really cool. Matt, you wanted to talk about character creator because it was really well done. And again, coming off of Street Fighter where it was very shallow and it was almost like a kiddie pool, this feels a lot more like being in the deep end of the, of the pool. Yeah, like, there was, it, it was a very deep and, and, and complex system that they used with the character creator, which I like that, especially in a game like this, uh, because, you know, the character, this is a character that is, when you create them, you know, this this is who it's going to be, and with how many hours that you're going to put into this game, I just like having that kind of, you know, that sense of control. Yes. Like, for, for example, like, the kind of character that I created with, you know, I took a look at, you know, I'm a sorcerer, you know, I kind of gave him a theme, which was, uh, you know, I wanted to make him Egyptian. I even named him Merrick. So if you're a Yu-Gi-Oh fan, <laughs> you know exactly where that name came from. And the, uh, the, uh, the, the tattoo designs, the, the different, you know, styles uh, that, of hairstyles that they give you, uh, they just really went well above and beyond and because the character models look so good they don't look ugly like you know when you look at a character creator like um fallout 4 sorry the character models don't look all that great <laughs> but they look re they look really good in this game like they have very you know realistic proportions i like the fact that you are able to make so many adjustments to just like the, the length of the nose the height of the lip um, you know, the body type that you can have. You can have something like, you know, me in real life, which I didn't go with that in the game because I wanted to look good. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> um, but it's just little things like that that go into games like this that, you know, really pique my interest and just um, some something that is just... It's intriguing, with me, yeah. Especially, especially looking at, you know, I've enjoyed this game so much and maybe even to the point like when I beat it, I might want to try out a different class and, you know, because the character creation tools are so good, like, you know, I can make someone look something completely different than someone that you have or something that I've already created or something that, I, you know, I've seen in other players online. Like, I, I feel like no character model, like, no two people are going to make the same looking person. Yes, and I feel like in that same vein, nobody's going to have the exact same build as you. Like, there is... Exactly. so much variety you look at the skill trees there is so much variety and i think what's most impressive about those and at least to me and you guys tell me if you felt otherwise i didn't feel like the skill trees were overwhelming i felt like they were very very simple very streamlined yeah. and very easy Same, to understand yeah. like okay here's what this skill does here's what this does and i think that the cool part of all of it is and, and you know there is one caveat to it and that's that if you do this you have to reset your entire skill tree you can respec whenever you want you can literally respec your entire build whenever you want in the abilities menu. You can redistribute points however you see fit. And you can you can on the fly, if you decide that for a boss or for a dungeon or for anything, if you decide that you maybe need something else, like if I wanted to do something other than Storm, 
I could swap over to using, you know, wind damage, using tornado damage instead, instead of lightning. And I think that that's really cool. I could swap over to being a werebear instead of a werewolf, and they have different abilities. One's a little bit stronger, one's a little bit faster, their attack animations are different. And there's a lot of different unique things to each build. You know, we, we also looked, you know, we played a lot, we mentioned Thacker, we played a lot with him. He has the Necromancer, which is one of the other cool characters in the game, where he can literally raise the dead that we have killed. And, and again, that's just a really cool feature, uh, and, I, and I like that. I also like that along the way, I think that we each, in some way, shape, or form, have got some form of companion that we can summon. I've got wolves. I think, Matt, you've recently learned how to summon dragons, is it? Is that what you've recently learned how to do? Um, actually, uh, they are Hydra Heads. And Hydra Heads, yes. I gave it a bit of an upgrade, so if I have a certain percentage of health, because normally only three heads will pop up, but what I like is, when, when it comes to these abilities, is that they have extension trees, so basically... After I got another skill point, after unlocking the Hydra Heads, I can lock it to where I have a, uh, a certain percentage of health. I can get an additional head. That's pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. Like, when I saw that the last time we played, I thought that was so badass. And then, Kyle, again, you, you I don't know if you have a companion, but I think it's really interesting that they picked the Barbarian class to be kind of that healer. Because you hear Barbarian, and you kind of think, okay, this is like your DPS. This is your, you're going to go in and you're going to tank a little bit. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, same. That's uh, that's actually why I picked the Barbarian, because I thought, oh, I'm going to be, you know, like a tank or something, and I was not expecting to be the healer. Uh, I'm kind of support, just like, uh, in general, because uh, I also have um, these abilities where I can weaken all the enemies around us, um, I can increase everybody's attack damage, and I can increase everybody's movement speed as well as their defense, and um, it's it's weird because, yeah, I, I chose the Barbarian and I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I love going in and being like, you know, high DPS. I'm going to go in. I'm going to tank all these enemies. And I I got to say, though, it's it's fun being able to play a support role in a game like this where I didn't really, you know, I didn't know if support was going to be really important. And it turns out it is. Because oh, with every single one of my yells, um, I can heal our teammates as well as give them additional status buffs. And that shit comes in handy a lot when you only have a limited amount of potions. And, you know, you can increase your potion capacity the more you level up. But, I mean, even then, you know, sometimes you get into those really big boss fights and you run out of potions really fast. It's nice to be able to go in and, you know, heal everybody so we're not constantly running through them. Especially when I'm also playing by myself. I can heal myself, and so it's, you know, a little bit OP. Um, but this is also a game, I think, that I'll probably end up starting multiple characters on. I don't really do that a whole lot, like in the Fallout games or, like, in the Elder Scrolls games. I never really cared to start new characters and, you know, go down different ways. Because I, you know, I liked to get one character and do everything in the game, but... This game, I think, it feels like, you know, because I've already completed so many side missions already, it feels like it'll be easy to complete everything in the game with, you know, uh, my main character and then start a new character. And I believe Thacker told us that you actually, once you beat the game in New Game Plus with a new character, you don't have to play through the story stuff again. You can just go straight in, you know, get the uh, get to the side missions and stuff, which is pretty cool. Which is cool. Yeah, I, I actually really like that. I I think that in an age where so many games are coming out with 
less and less content and so many games, you know, come out relatively unfinished. I think it's really impressive how much side content is in this game. You know, the story, again, the story is like nothing to write home about. It's, you know, Lilith is this like queen of the underworld or this, you know, this, you know, this goddess of the underworld almost. And your main goal is pretty much to stop her. It's a very, very simple motivator to get you moving. Um, and along the way, you obviously, you meet new characters, you learn new things, and you see that she's able to, you know, essentially bring characters to her side. She's able to essentially corrupt certain characters. You run into a few of those pretty early on in the story. Um, but the real meat to this game is all of the side content, the dungeons you can do, and the fortresses you can go after. And I feel like that is ultimately where a lot of hours are going to be spent, especially when you look at, like, the end game. We haven't seen the end game content yet. That's the wild part is we have seen, we've seen all this main game content and there's a lot, like there's a whole other skill tree there when you hit level 50 and you know, there's just, there's so much meat here to this game that again, you look at that $70 price tag and there are a lot of games that don't really meet the requirements to, you know, to really charge that for their game. This is not one of those. I, I feel like there's a lot here for what you pay. So Matt, you said you had something to add. So just on the subject of, you know, the the different variety and just like how many side quests there are, one thing that I want to, uh, you know, say I appreciate is the fact that each individual NPC in the town or out, out there in the wilds have voice acting. Like, yes. They, they did not cut any corners, and the voice acting in this game is just something else I want to praise, especially um, the, the voice actress of Lilith, because just... Everyone favor, yeah, she's Every, really good. Everybody, everybody's really like giving their their best in this game. Like, I don't know any of the voice actors who are in it, but just well done. Yeah, Caroline Faber is actually the voice of Lilith, and she oh, is thank you. Yeah. awesome in this game. She she is one of the best parts of this game because every time Lilith is on screen, she absolutely owns the role. She owns oh, the yeah. role that she's in. She's evil. You're scared of her. You're terrified of her. It is It is really, really, like, the thought of having to fight the uber version of her, which we have to do for a trophy, is really terrifying. Um, I've done research and found out that, like, the uber version of bosses in these games are essentially some of the hardest bosses in all of gaming. So, not looking forward to that and how difficult that's going to be and how rage-inducing that's going to be. But, again, she's just really, really impressive every time she's on screen. And the presentation level, ultimately, is what helps carry this story. And I, and I feel like, despite the fact that it's nothing special, despite the fact that, ah, it's pretty simple, your premise is pretty straightforward, you kind of know what you're doing, I feel like the presentation really does carry it through and it, it takes it to that next level. Again, I think this is a game that could win Game of the Year in a normal year. And I think that that's really saying something. It says something about the quality of games we've gotten this year that with Final Fantasy 16 recently coming out and with... Tears of the Kingdom as good as it was. We've got Spider-Man 2, Armored Core. Kyle, we went through all the games that are coming out later this year. Yeah, for <laughs> like, real. You know, you know and, and lost in all of it almost is, you know, you forget about games like Mortal Kombat 1. You forget about a game like Hogwarts Legacy that came out earlier this year. So it's been a really good year for gaming. As far as critiques for this game, I feel like you almost have to nitpick. Because... Yeah. Again, the story isn't special, and I've said that a couple times now. It's it's kind of it's kind of basic. Um, it's not anything crazy. The writing is what it is. But as far as critiques, what stuck out to y'all as far as criticism? Oh, I got one. So there have been a couple of times where when I enter into a dungeon, my game will crash. I had a moment with Kyle where we were doing a story mission, and we both, uh, you know, uh, hit A to activate the door, and the game kind of just crashed. 
Um, and yeah. the other one that I have is there, there have just been times where I would get an error and like Kyle couldn't join my game or I couldn't join his. Uh, it's not very common, so I'm not going to hold it against the game because, again, the game has pretty much worked the way it was intended. Yeah, same, honestly. For me, it's really the crashes. I think that this game came out pretty polished. There were some frame dips, uh, like when we got everybody on screen, we're fighting big hordes of enemies, um, which hopefully they'll Ooh. end up you know, <laughs> smoothing that out uh, soon. But the crashes were really aggravating um, because it seems like it happens very frequently. Usually when we're trying to do something like Matt said, going through a door or I'll be in the menu or I'm trying to fast travel and my game just crashes. And it's annoying because then we have to reinvite people and sometimes the game doesn't let them in. And it, it seems to be a, a constant problem with Activision lately. But, uh, yeah, other than that, I, I really liked the game. I really didn't have, uh, a lot I disliked about it. You know, Kyle, it's funny. I almost thought you were talking about Crash Team Rumble there when you were talking about having to re-invite everybody <laughs> over and over again. Almost, almost thought we were in that episode, and we're not there yet. But, but yeah, I, I agree that that that's kind of that the, the the crashes have been kind of weird. I know that for one, there was that one weird thing when the three of us and Thacker were all on, where I think you left, Kyle, and then like. You like you, like your your screen was frozen. We were all able to move around, and then you left. You closed your game out. Then for some reason, my screen was frozen, yeah. so I left. And then Thacker's screen was frozen, and he, he had to leave. And then Matt's screen was frozen. Like everybody else, like the subsequent perk people that like weren't frozen were able to move around. But the moment someone left, they would randomly start to freeze. That was odd. Um, performance wise, they're definitely like in cutscenes. I do wish that cutscenes were going at 60 FPS and not 30. I do think that that holds it back just a little bit. Um, it is a pretty graphically intensive game when you look at like you get to the cutscenes. Like, there's a lot of detail in this game. So I understand that maybe 30 FPS was what they were able to keep it at state, st you know, stability wise. Um, and it still looked that way. Otherwise, they'd probably have to downgrade a lot of the graphics. Um, we also mentioned this in the Street Fighter episode, and we said, like, we really don't want this to be a reoccurring thing, but unfortunately it happened again. Why do we have to link a damn account to play online? That is so dumb, and I'm sorry. Like, I don't want this to turn into a bitch bit about, like, you know, oh, well, you know, that's such a minor thing, why does it matter? Well, it kills the hype on launch night when I have to spend 20 minutes fighting the, the Blizzard, the Activision Blizzard servers trying to link my damn Blizzard account or my Battle.net account just because I have to do that to play online. And then if I don't do that, I can't play online with y'all. And like, this is not the kind of game you want to play solo. Like you can play it solo. It's still fun, but this is a game you want to play with friends. That's the whole point to it. So for me, it's very, very frustrating that these games constantly have us linking accounts. I'm just waiting for when Armored Core comes out getting a message of, you have to link a From Software account online. Yeah, no like, kidding. I'm just waiting for that, and I hope that doesn't happen. You know, whether it's that, Spider-Man 2, you know, Mortal Kombat 1, I hope that we don't have to do that. Mortal Kombat 1, I'm already preparing for, because I'm pretty sure you do have to link an account for that. I'm already preparing for yeah. that mentally. But that is a trend I would like to see, you know, kind of exit gaming, because it's not exactly a fun one. And then the last thing I'm going to bitch about, and then we'll move on to something more positive to end the episode... Uh, the game, it's been really, relatively easy to get into the game lately, and that's a lot of fun and all. Um, launch night was pretty bad. Launch night was yeah, pretty was rough. It, 
It took, I think, Kyle, you could tell me if I'm wrong, because I know, Matt, you didn't have it on launch night like me and him did. Um, and that's not me hoeing you. That's not me hoeing you. It's just because you didn't, you didn't have to experience this like we did. I'm almost jealous of you for not having to experience this. Um, it took us, what, like 35 minutes to get into the game? Like, we had to wait at the loading screen. Like, the, yeah. like the entering games. We had to wait at that for, like, 30 minutes. And, like, by the time we finally got into the game, I was like, well, you know, 30 minutes ago, I was really excited. Now, I'm happy that I'm in the game. But you've kind of killed the steam a little bit because I had to wait a little bit. So, thankfully, has not been a consistent issue. So, I'm okay with that. But, you know, it, it's just one of those things where I would like, moving forward... For that to not be a for you know just servers to be ready because especially this game was up early for people that got the deluxe edition, so you have no reason for the servers to not be ready for a heavy influx of players. Um, and it, you're also your your Activision Blizzard like did you not learn your lesson from Overwatch two? Really like, no kidding. That's the that, and that's ultimately the big thing for me is like. <laughs> They didn't seem like they learned their lesson in creating strong, you know, solid enough servers for this. But all of that is also very much nitpicking. Like, I love this game. I think this is a Game of the Year finalist when all is said and done. I think there's a lot of great games that are still coming out. Uh, we haven't, you know, recorded anything really on Summer Games Fest. I don't know that we plan to, and that time is, you know, kind of come and gone, unfortunately. Um, what are you guys, what game are you guys looking forward to the most when you look at what the rest of the year has to offer? Man, that's a hard uh, well, question. I'll go, I'll go ahead and start this one off uh, for the rest of this year. The game I'm looking forward to the most. Well, 16 just came out, so can't necessarily say that one at this point. So, and spoiler alert you know for what? anyone out there listening, it's it's awesome. It's you no, know it's awesome. Screw it. You know, I I, I could go I could go the um, the obvious route and say Spider Man Two. But no, you know what? I'm going to say Super Mario RPG Remake. Yes, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, that I, game, uh, that game looks as, good. As, as someone who's never played that, I'm incredibly excited to play it for the first time. And it, for it to be remade, you know, in yeah, that's 3D, insane. that is uh, that's gonna be awesome. Kyle, I know you're. I know. I think I know what you're looking forward to, but I'll let you say it. I'm gonna be honest. I have a lot of games I'm looking forward to. Yes. Uh, but personally, right now, I think you know, other than Spider-Man Two, it's gonna be Pikmin Four because Pikmin really? Pikmin is one of those games it's again you know i am from the gamecube era and it's one of those games i fell in love with when i had a gamecube and it you know we got two and we got three and then it's just been a while we got three remastered on the nintendo switch but nothing about a four and i gotta say this game looks incredible as as a huge pikmin fan this game looks like everything that i've wanted for i don't know how long it's been since pikmin 3 came out um, and I hope that, you know, a lot of people, you know, who haven't gotten to play the older Pikmin games get to get into this. It's cool that Nintendo released Pikmin 1 and 2 on the Switch. They're like, they're full oh, HD yeah. versions as well, I think, yeah. which is crazy. But yeah, I, I think that that's, that's probably the one I'm, I'm really hyped about. That's really soon too. Yeah. That is, that is oh, really yes, soon. That's, that's, that's next <laughs> month, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah, it so is. So that's, you know, that's, that's right around the corner. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I could really take the, uh, I think that uh, there's a lot of, there's a, I, can, I could go the uh, the obvious route and say Spider-Man 2, which I am excited for. I could also go the other obvious route and say Armored Core 6. 
But after playing the demo for Lies of P, I really think that game is going to surprise people. I really think that game is yeah. going to surprise some people. Love the art style. There's a lot of there, there, there's a lot of clear inspiration. There's a lot of clear inspiration from Bloodborne, but it plays drastically different from Bloodborne. Um, I'm excited for that, and I'm also excited for Lords of the Fallen. I think that's going to be really good as well. It's a, a reboot that I think is much needed because you know the the 2014 or 2015, whenever it came out, that version. Um, it was a good game, but it felt kind of bland after a couple hours in it. So I'm hoping that this iteration of it does a whole lot better. And I got I mean, guys, I'm surprised nobody said you know nobody said anything about uh, Super Mario Bros. Wonder. That oh was yeah, that Super was Mario Bros. on acid, and I oh, love yeah. it. That was so um, awesome. Excited for that. Excited for Super Mario RPG, and definitely excited for Pikmin. So I think that there's still a lot of really good games to to come out, you know, later this year. So it, it's going to be a fun rest of the year. So that's a good spot to wrap this up. So that is going to do it for this episode of Side Mission. Be sure to check us out on Twitter at Side Mission Pod. You can also check us out on Facebook at Just Side Mission Podcast. For the boys, for Matt, for Kyle, I'm Rusty. Thanks for listening. Oh, my God.